Alrighty, everybody. Good afternoon. Guru and Wiz, Fantasy Football Podcast. And uh, that's a wrap, Wiz. Football season 2020-21 has come to an end. Uh, uh, we've said this many times before, but the NFL has uh, really outdone itself this year. A, a miracle that they were able to complete the season and uh, completed in the home stadium of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They get their championship uh not really exciting game, but uh, a good story nonetheless. How are you today, Wiz? Yeah, I'm doing well, thanks. Uh, yeah, the NFL, absolutely incredible. The job they did, a uh, few games postponed, but don't, you know, no games canceled. Incredible. Their protocols that they had in place, their, um, you know, their, their, their strict uh, protocols. I mean, the Saints, I, from what I hear, are going to be in a whole heck of trouble uh, with the Alvin Kamara thing, uh, with their draft picks coming up, you know, by, uh, they got video of them as well, you know, not really following the protocols, but in terms of the NFL, absolutely incredible. And, uh, whoever, you know, is really responsible for this and, you know, the, the protocols and putting things in place and, and the testing and the tracing, uh, amazing. Just, uh, you know, I, I was even a little dubious that they were going to make it through the entire season. And certainly uh, I would have thought that probably a few games would have been canceled. But just to have some games postponed, uh, like you said, uh, amazing job by the NFL. Yeah, there, there were some minor inconveniences in there. The guy that is, is widely to be credited for what transpired was Dr. Alan Sills. He's the head doctor of the NFL. And, you know, it's interesting when, when the NFL started to have a situation where it looks like looked like things were going to get out of control. You had both the situation with the Titans and then you had the Ravens w- w- with the issues. And, you know, they quickly figured out kind of where, where the breakdown in, in protocol was taking place. And at the end of the day, um, you know, if, if maybe the rest of the country had done a better job of listening to what the NFL did, it, we may have a little bit different result than, than where we are right now, but that's a, a story for another day. But but they really found that in, in their research that, that the mask wearing uh, – Doing that and and keeping an adherence to those policies was the single best situation for conquering the 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 hindrance of what was going on with kind of this vicious uh, pandemic that we've been going through. And uh, you know, I credit them. And 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 actually, most teams did follow very very strictly. Uh, I had heard the same situation that you had spoken about with the Saints, but at the end of the day, they got the thing under control. As you said, no games were canceled, and we were able to carry on with a, with an exciting football season. Um, you know, again, probably a little anticlimactic. I, I would have thought, and, and I think all of us would have thought that there would have been a different outcome in that football game that would have been a little bit closer game in the Super Bowl. But you know, it wasn't meant to be. I I, I think at the end of the day, uh, when I really have to take a step back and, and look at what what happened in the Super Bowl, um, you know. Let's face it, this is a team of 54 players, 15 to 20 coaches, all the other personnel that are involved each and every week getting a team prepared to play football on Sunday or Saturday or Monday night, whenever that is, or Thursday night. And, you know, I, I think the tragedy which unfolded this week with, with Britt Reed, who is the linebacker coach of, of the Kansas City Chiefs, I still think that kind of kind of was like a pall over the team, in my, in my personal opinion. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to kind of get away from that distraction. 
a, a certainly a very very sad situation with a young a young girl still kind of in trouble at, at the moment when it comes to her health condition and, and obviously Britt Reed's life and, and how that affects a father like Andy Reed who's already been down this road before. And I think the other thing is, you know, when we really look at that offensive line of the Kansas City Chiefs, yeah, that was a situation that it was totally exploited in this particular football game by Todd Bowles and the Tampa Bay Buccaneer defense. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand, you know, your point about Andy Reid's son, and it certainly, you know, you will, we'll never really know to what extent it affected Andy Reid and, and the game and, and the players. You, you just never know, but that all being said, you know, I, there's nothing that would have been able to stop that pass rush from Tampa Bay. Uh, every single pass, um, he was on the siege, Pat Mahomes, and he was running 30 yards to his right, 30 yards to his left, sometimes 30 yards backwards just to get a pass off. It was absolutely relentless pass rush by um, by the Tampa Bay defense and you know it's one thing when you say get a get some pressure with four and keep seven back but that wasn't just pressure with four that was dominance that was you know just just you know Patton Holmes was playing with like his hair was on fire that game he was just you know running for his life uh from start to finish and uh you know just 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 a, a great defensive effort and um not, you know, you just can't say enough about the game plan that they had offensively and defensively. It worked perfectly. And uh, Tampa Bay, from the basically, you know, from the second half of that Kansas City game, because that game ended up only being a three-point game, and they were getting absolutely obliterated. Tyreek Hill, I think, had 200 yards receiving in the first quarter. From, like, the second half of that game, Tampa Bay was just a completely different team, and they, they never looked back. Yeah, they, they finished the season incredibly strong, uh, probably a seven or an eight game winning streak. Um, you know, you mentioned the ability for the team to rush four players and drop seven into coverage, really taking Tyreek Hill out of that ball game. At, you know, at times um, uh, Travis Kelsey looked a little bit lost. Uh, I, I think... Speaking of lost, McCall Hardman was completely lost on the football field in that particular game. But, you know, the interesting thing, too, in this game, and you, you mentioned Patrick Mahomes being under siege, which he was. It's amazing that he actually only took three sacks because the pressures were just relentless all throughout the game. And, and this is a guy that's obviously impaired a bit with that foot. We saw that he's going to have uh, some foot surgery. He'll be ready for next season, but he will have some offseason surgery. Uh, but, you know, just an amazing effort. And, and you think about this. What, I didn't look at the odds of this, you know, before the game started, but the odds of Patrick Mahomes not throwing a touchdown pass in this game, uh, I don't know what they were, but it was going to be a big payout if you bet on that. Just uh, shocking that that was able to be done by this defense. And look, we talked about this defense really all year long in the preseason. We talked about it, um, but guys came on. All, you know, you mentioned Shaq Barrett. We've talked about Devin White uh, and Dominica Sue, uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, and that young secondary you know, certainly has improved as the season has gone on. They they overcame some injuries uh, late in the season. The two week uh, break before the before the Super Bowl certainly certainly helped them. Todd Bowles is a great defensive coordinator, uh, and and they look they made sure that the Achilles heel in this particular game, with all that switching around on the offensive line for the Kansas City Chiefs, that the, Todd Bowles and his defense made sure that Patrick Mahomes was not going to influence this game the same way he did in Week Twelve. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, first of all, to your point about the sacks, I mean, if that was a lesser quarterback of a lesser athletic ability and a lesser arm to get the ball to the line of scrimmage when he was 30 yards back about, you know, about to be sacked, throwing the ball when his body was parallel to the ground on a few plays, that that sack total really could have been 6, 8, 10, 12 against a different quarterback. So the only reason there was just a few was just the incredible athletic ability of Patrick Mahomes. But for those that started listening to this podcast in March and April, really we shouldn't be surprised about the Tampa Bay defense. We were touting them. I drafted them in almost every league I was in. And, uh, you know, they, they had a few rough spots. Um, where their secondary, you know, is getting lit up a little bit, but it's not really a surprise. Their defense is fast, athletic, um, good instincts, and and as that secondary keeps getting better and better uh, as they get more experience. Wow, that that Tampa Bay defense is uh, is an absolute force to be reckoned with. Uh, so let me ask you, Wiz. You know, we, we've talked about this a lot over the years. You know, repeating repeating in the NFL is a very, very hard thing to do. Uh, Tom Brady told us that he was coming back. You know, he really didn't have to do much in the second half in this game. I think what's amazing in 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 when you take a look at what Tampa Bay did offensively in this particular game, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and the receiving core here virtually did nothing. Yes, Antonio. Brown did score a touchdown, had five catches for, for minimal yards. But really, it was those checkdowns to the tight ends. We saw Gronk have a big game. Uh, Brait had a couple of good plays. Uh, and both guys ran effectively uh, in this game. Leonard Fournette, you know, carrying most of it. But whenever Ronald Jones was touching the ball, the Kansas City Chiefs could not stop that short passing game, nor... They could not stop the rushing game, so time of possession was working in their favor. It was very little that Kansas City could do to stop this Tampa Bay, sh- kind of their short-term, uh, their short-game offense, if you will. It was very difficult for Kansas City to contain them. Yeah, I mean, it's just a tale of two different situations, right? One team is completely becomes one-dimensional with a ferocious pass rush, and the other team... They're running when you think they're going to throw, and they're throwing when you think they're going to run. They have you off balance. They have a perfect lineup for that kind of offense. Um, That's what they want to do. They want to run it down your throat. They want to mix in some short plays. They want to throw the ball deep a few times as well. They did all of that. They didn't really hit on a couple of big throws, but they did get a big interference penalty called, which led to a 21-6 halftime lead when it was 14-6. So the attempts deep, um, certainly helped them, but uh, it, it just Kansas City being becoming one-dimensional and Tampa Bay doing what they wanted to do when they wanted to do it was the was the tale of the game. And uh, if there was a blueprint to be drawn up by Tampa Bay before the game started, that game ended up being the exact blueprint I'm sure they wanted. Now, let me ask you too, Wiz, because you know we, we talked a little bit about this. Like the last eight or nine games, obviously Week 17, Kansas City sat a lot of their players. It was before the Super Bowl it was the only game that they had lost in, in, in a number of weeks, and this was Patrick Mahomes. Uh, you know, he didn't lose any games uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs other than one, that one game early against the Raiders. But, you know, we started to see uh, just kind of early on this season, teams definitely tried to defend the Kansas City Chiefs a little bit differently. 
um, where uh, di- different kinds of looks. They weren't going to let them just kind of play in these track meets and stuff. And, and, and at the second half of the season, the Kansas City Chiefs in the regular season, we remember that game against Atlanta, we remarked about that. This team actually struggled to put teams away. So as much as you know, the, we're surprised at the exact outcome in terms of the, the size of the win, um, you know, look, I, I think Kansas City, uh, again, w- was kind of less effective. They, they, they did not show that in the first couple of games in the playoffs, but certainly they, they showed their Achilles heel um, in, in this particular ball game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, I think, you know, what, what happened is that, you know, the plan was, okay, if you're going to put two, three guys on, on Hill and you're not going to let him go off on you deep, the plan was to just keep using him as a decoy. The problem is now you're down to one guy that you could trust to throw the ball to. You keep bringing in Daryl Williams to help pass protect because your tackles can't stop them. So you have a running back instead of Edward Talat, who I felt they should have used and thrown the ball to. They kept Daryl Williams in the block. Sammy Watkins was probably maybe 50%. He couldn't get any off the, he couldn't get off the line of scrimmage. They were being physical with him. And, McCall Hardman doesn't know how to run routes, and Patrick Mahomes has zero confidence in that player. So as crazy as it sounds, and when you think about the Kansas City Chiefs, um, I'm sure they're going to be looking up Kenny Galladay, Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin, uh, Will Fuller. They're going to be looking because they may need one more guy. And and, um, people also forget that Damian Williams opted out for the year so that Kansas City backfield next year is going to be dynamic. But, you know, it just goes to show you, McCall Hardman maybe can run kind of like Tyreek Hill, but he's just not nearly the receiver Tyreek Hill is. Or I just, I just feel like he doesn't run routes. He plays so tentatively. And unless you could get him the ball and open the field where he can make big plays, they're just not confident with him. So, um as great as Kansas City is, you may still see them active in free agency trying to look up one of those wide receivers that are available. I was also a bit puzzled that, um, you, you know, we talked about the skill set of uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And, and, you know, they really, this season, I think if we had to take a step back, when you think about his strength in college and, and what he did best, it seemed to me that Kansas City kind of, I don't know. Again, it's a, it's a, it's a rookie. Uh, he doesn't have a normal training camp, but they really never got him the ball kind of in space, the way LSU kind of got him the ball out of the backfield in dump offs and stuff like that. There are very few times that we really saw Clyde Edwards Hilaire do that during the regular season. Very, very puzzling to me that they didn't use what was probably this player's strongest um, attribute that that was not utilized much at all during, during the season or in the postseason. Yeah, I mean, even if they would use, try to use him the same way they used Damian Williams the year before, we had thrown, you know, three, four passes a game. Um, he had such limited action. I think he totaled like 60-something yards rushing, you know. That was another way to combat that, that pass rushes. Give him the ball. Like, I just don't agree with keeping Darrell Williams in there just as like a sixth offensive lineman. Like, you can't play that way because – you don't have many guys you could throw to. If you're double covering both Kelsey and Hill and you're keeping your running back into block and you don't really have confidence in Cardman and, and Watkins can't get off the line of scrimmage, you're just better off instead of keeping a running back into block, 
bring Edward Dallaire in there and let him run routes and try and get him the ball as another weapon instead of just keeping Williams in the block. So uh, I think it was just uh, schematically it wasn't a great game plan for Kansas City and uh, and uh, the other players just didn't didn't step up and they just couldn't give Mahomes any time to throw. So uh, yeah, I agree with all of that and uh, I don't really know because uh, you see other rookies kind of have gotten better and better and better. Taylor and Dobbins and Edward Tillet just never really got to the level of the hype before the season started. Yeah, and look, there was a lot of hype in that player. He had moved to top 10 status in, in nearly almost all projections. Uh, if you're in a snake draft, got, you know, I think there was very few snake drafts where he made it out of a 12-team snake draft where he made it out of the first round. I think very, very few. And, and, and we saw in a couple of leagues that were in on the auction side of things, you know, that, that's a player that went for some big money. And, uh, you know, a lot of people kind of were scratching their heads when they went after uh, Le'Veon Bell during the season. But th- that player looks like he's completely washed up. I, I think Le'Veon Bell should look for work outside the NFL next year. Although somehow uh, LaShawn McCoy managed to hang on and, and get two Super Bowl rings the last two years. That's, uh, That's so, unbelievable. <laughs> that is unbelievable. It is unbelievable. Um, so let me ask you this, Wiz. Let's look at what the – now, Now we, we think that the division that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are in could look completely different. Um, when you think of Atlanta, perhaps no Matt Ryan. When you think of – Carolina, which you think there's a chance that, and I think it makes some sense that Deshaun Watson could be the quarterback this year. We, we like the way the team is, has kind of the direction that they moved in offensively. You have the New Orleans Saints, which most likely will have a new new quarterback. What do you think the priority is going to be you know, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Do you think they bring, is, is Gronk going to come back? Do you think Antonio Brown is back? Certainly, uh, I think Leonard Fournette has shown you that we're showing a lot of people, again, the big surprise when he was dropped at the start of the season and, and, you know, Tampa Bay picked him up. They have two very effective running backs in both him and Ronald Jones, uh, different styles um, in terms of how they play the ball game. But, but nonetheless, you know, it'll be interesting to see what Tampa Bay does here. I think particularly on the offensive line, I think they're pretty set on defense in terms of uh, contractual obligations, but they've got some decisions to make on the offensive side. Yeah, three of their key guys, uh, Leonard Fournette, Antonio Brown, and, and and Chris Godwin are unrestricted free agents. So Leonard Fournette may have made himself a lot of money <laughs> these last couple of games going into next year. Um, and Godwin is going to get a lot of interest from teams that feel their uh, second wide receiver away from being a Super Bowl contender. And Antonio Brown may give a home you know, whatever. I, I, I think I think I could see him of the three the most likely resigning with Tampa Bay out of loyalty, out of also the fact that they don't know if there are other teams out there that are going to be willing to take a chance. But Fournette and Godwin, I think, are most likely going to be elsewhere uh, at the start of next season. So uh, I think it'll look different with that, and uh, maybe Tampa Bay will have to address those those needs uh, at the draft as well. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of landing spots. I mean, look, Godwin had a tremendous 2019 season. I think a little bit more inconsistent uh, in terms of the chemistry with Brady. And he also dealt with, you know, a fair amount of injuries o- over the course of this year. But but a player that certainly has shown that he can excel in this league and, and play at a very high high level. So it would be quite interesting. I think that would make... If, if you did not see Chris Godwin as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, I think that would make a, 
I would make an argument that Scotty Miller would become a very appealing player. We've seen, although he dropped the, his one one target in this particular game, you know, Keldon Johnson um, was a player that, not Keldon Johnson, sorry, uh, Tyler Johnson was a player. I got the San Antonio Spur on my mind. Uh, Tyler Johnson was a player they drafted out of Minnesota who had a couple of decent games when there was some injuries here. So there are some, there are some players here that could step in in the event that Godwin does leave. And obviously they're, they're, they're a cheaper alternative to, to what they would have to do to go out in the free agent market. Yeah, I mean, I can't wait till we really start talking about, um, you know, the free agents and then, you know, the NFL draft. And uh, look, the free agents, you know, that opens up March 17th, I believe. And I think teams maybe two days before that can really start negotiating. So we're talking about, you know, kind of like six weeks away. And that really starts the new season as far as the NFL is concerned, the opening of free agency. So that's basically in six weeks, uh, March 17th, and then the draft is April 29th. But the, the names of some of these players at running back and wide receiver are going to be so fascinating to see. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see how that plays out. But, you know, you're talking about two different dynamics, right? You're talking about taking a, a terrific player from Tampa Bay, and then if you could take that subtraction from Tampa Bay and then add that player to, let's say, a Green Bay, um, to someone like that who, you know, was screaming the fans about they didn't get Aaron Rodgers' help, well, look at these receivers with Galladay and Allen Robinson and, and, and Chris Godwin, that they could get to help Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers. It's a real opportunity, so you're doing two things. You're taking a great receiver from Tampa Bay and adding him on your team. So that's going to be so interesting to see. And uh, like I said, can't wait for us to start talking about that. And that's only uh, in about six weeks from now. Yeah, you know, you mentioned Rodgers and, 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 and the players that you mentioned that are potentially available. And, and this is not to take things away from guys like Mark, Marquez Valdez-Scantling and, and um, Alan Lazard, who, who certainly at times over the season, late in the season, did play well. But they, that team definitely missed a consistent option other than De- Devontae Adams. And adding, adding a player of that caliber w- would certainly be interested. Um, so I, I just, you know, look, I think Deshaun Watson will be the biggest story of the offseason, where he ends up, how that impacts the draft, if it goes to one of those first two teams uh, picking at the top of the draft. I think that will be, you know, one of the most significant things that we'll be watching. I was kind of fascinated because we did talk about this on our, our quarterback show. So the names that have definitely surfaced for the services of, of one Carson Wentz, uh, and we talked about this already, you know, Frank Reich has a relationship with the player, but Indianapolis has stuck their nose in. It looks like they've quieted the noise about the potential of Andrew Luck actually returning. And the Chicago Bears, another team that we talked a lot about, uh, also inquiring, and my probably well beyond inquiring, but trying to work out a deal to bring Carson Wentz uh, to Chicago. So two interesting choices and, and two options in, in, in two football teams that are going to need a quarterback uh, for this coming season. Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's no question, uh, you know, that I, I just don't see how Carson Wentz and, 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 and Jalen Hurts, you know, how that situation is going to coexist. So, you know, he's going to be going somewhere, and uh, they were so sure that that was imminent. They were saying that that's going to happen before the Super Bowl, uh, even last week. So it seems like something's about to happen. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see. But certainly that quarterback carousel and these talented running back and wide receiver, um, that not only kicks off the NFL season, but 
it starts really becoming uh, so important to the fantasy football season about these, uh, you know, the new landing spots and what that means not only for that player, but the surrounding players as well. So uh, I always uh, get a kick out of people that don't pay attention to that because, uh, you know, you're, you're four way behind and then uh, it's difficult to catch up with all of it, I think. Oh, well, there's a reason why guys like Jimmy O, you know, haven't won football titles in so many leagues since 2009. There's, there's, there's a good reason why that is. They're, they're unprepared coming, you know, that when you start picking up, uh, you know, uh, websites and, and, and start looking at information two weeks before your draft, you are so far behind you shouldn't even bother because you might as well just throw the money out the window. Yeah, I doubt uh, that Vegas Insider is going to tell Jimmy some great sleepers. <laughs> but but you know the the thing about a guy like Jimmy he, he actually think you know look Jim's a great guy we, we like competing against him but you know quite frankly he's no, he is absolutely no match when you come into these seasons unprepared if you first of all it's going to be such luck that you actually end up winning it because when without preparation in fantasy football you cannot start asking questions two weeks before the draft about depth charts and stuff like that. I've gotten calls from Jimmy O uh, literally the night before asking me who's the backup running back here or who's the backup quarterback. I mean, just like shocking stuff. You will not be successful in fantasy football following the path of one Jimmy O. Yeah, I think also what happens is, you know, you have to, and I know you look at this very, very closely, it's very important to see how teams and players end up one season as they kind of pull vault to the next season. So if you have a player who was starting to really improve, like a Leonard Fournette, for example, and then he finds himself like in a great landing spot where there isn't a Ronald Jones, a timeshare, I mean, you know, that kind of stuff that you know matters. And you have to look at players and teams how they finished up, and then who you know who they acquire or where they go to the following season is a uh, is a very good measuring stick to the for the fantasy football you know thing, and it's it's a lot of, it's it's just something that people forget about like the ending of last season, but I think it really matters, and I know you do as well. Uh, when you head into the new season. No, no, no question. And, and look, to be successful in fantasy football, you, you you know, okay, I think there's a number of different ingredients. You know, the preparation that goes in before the season, some of the maneuvers that you make during the season, because there are some key pickups to make. It, it could be early in the season or it could be later in the season, depending on what happens on injuries. But you need to be active on your waiver wires. You certainly have to do things like that. And you need some luck. There is a degree of luck. We're going to all be wrong about our calls about players. I think you've mentioned this a number of times. It's a very humbling experience, right? Uh, Both of us were extremely negative on Aaron Rodgers. I kind of eased off of that a little bit going into the draft, thinking that, you know, maybe we were a little bit too down on the player. But, But nonetheless, I was not expecting him to perform at MVP levels this year, which, you know, 48 touchdowns and and a handful of interceptions is is nothing short of a miraculous season for for an NFL quarterback. But we're going to be wrong about a lot of things over the course of the season. When I say we, all of us, you know, we're not going to get everything right. If everybody was getting everything right, it it would be a very easy thing to do. But but there are a number of ingredients that do go in, preparation, adaptability, and maneuverability during the season. And again, you do need a little bit of luck on your side where injuries and kind of balls bounce in your favor where you're able to kind of overcome some some obstacles because each and every season there are going to be obstacles to overcome yeah there's, there's, there's no question about that there's a there's, there's no disputing 
any of that. You know, the thing is, you're definitely going to be wrong about, you know, some things. Uh, you know, there's going to be things you're wrong of that you just missed, you know, because your you just opinion was wrong or you love the player and then he, you know, he just injury riddled. Uh, that could certainly happen. We see that happen all the time. But, I mean, if you just think outside the box a little bit and, and put some – you know, creativity and some thought process along with preparation. And you just have a different way of thinking about players and situations um, that we talk about all the time. You know, I think, you know, that's how you end up with a concept of Tampa Bay is going to be a top three or five defense when most people just look at the record from the year before and say, ah, what the heck do we care about the Tampa Bay defense? But there are a lot of factors, you know, with Winston turning the ball over so much and then always, you know, being playing from behind and never being on on the lead in much games or many games where they're able to get that pass rush going and now bringing Tom Brady, a guy who really understands – uh, had a you know to 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 run the game, manage a game, and you can see how that defense could go from just being okay to then becoming an elite defense. So it's it, it's things like that that you have to think about, and that that really is what makes the difference, uh, winning or losing. Uh, by the way, speaking of Tom Brady, I saw an amazing statistic today. Uh, was so Tom Brady has played in three hundred and forty four football games in his NFL. Uh, career that includes regular and the postseason. Okay, in his first 172 games as a football player, his record: 132 wins, 40 losses, a 767 win percentage. In his second 172 games, 132 wins, 40 losses, a 767 win percentage. He's done exactly the same thing. In his first half of his career, has the second half of his career. That is pretty remarkable stuff. You know, we, we talked about this player a lot. Seven seven championships now. That's that that's a remarkable story. You know, you know, just thinking about Tom Brady. It just um, I, I don't know if you remember this or if many people remember this, but back in March or April, when we were living in a world of Zoom. And, you know, everything over the phone, Zoom meetings, all anything, everything, you know, not being around each other. There was Tom Brady all the way back having players on his team around him, workouts, throwing the ball. Even as far back as March and April, he outworked everybody from then until the very last game and winning the Super Bowl. Absolutely amazing when everyone was like scared, be close, don't get near anyone. He's having workouts with guys, getting to know them and, and getting timing and all of that. Just incredible. Just in, uh, amazing preparation. Yeah, and I think, look, I, I saw an interesting clip. Uh, we just found out this past weekend uh, who was going to be in this Hall of Fame class. Obviously, guys like. Uh, like uh, uh, Charles Woodson, uh, Peyton Manning, John Lynch, uh, Calvin Johnson. So some great names in this particular cl- class. Um, and it was interesting. Uh, 
in the meeting where David Baker goes to visit uh, and surprise uh, Peyton Manning. Obviously, Peyton Manning's not surprised he's in the Hall of Fame, but he was surprised by the fact that uh, four or five of his former coaches and Dave Baker show up. He thought he was filming something um, for an ESPN shoot for his his, uh, show that he has on there. And the words that, uh, I think it was Jim Caldwell that, that talked about this in particular and said, you know, Peyton Manning, even though he was a star of the football team, he carried himself like he was the most prepared and a leader and the way he the way he went about his business uh you know complete professionalism through and through in and throughout uh so that sort of stuff to to hear that kind of stuff and i think that stuff is certainly applicable to someone like tom brady um but to hear that sort of stuff you're not surprised by any of it but you know at the end of the day there's a differentiating factor which gets you to that next level and and players like that you know they're once in a lifetime players that you know when they're gone we're going to miss them, but we'll look back on these years that we had the Peyton Mannings and the Tom Brady, a very, very special time in the NFL. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I remember, you know, my dad was alive. We would talk about, like, quarterbacks, and he would say, you know, look, it's just, it, it, it's, you know, those guys, Johnny Unitas, and guys from that era, you know, just, we were just so special to people growing up watching football then, and then we kind of got into the next, and then you're talking about the John Elways, and the Montanas, and the Dan Fouts, um, and, and, and great, you know, Kenny Andersons and those kind of guys. And then, you know, now the, the group that I think people talk about will be Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers. But uh, my question to you is, do you feel as somebody like me who started watching football around, the, you know, the same time, the seventies and, 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 and those type of guys that, this this is like the last of it. Like it's a different world of quarterback. We're living in an RPO world, and like the straight drop back passer, the Mannings, the Bradys, the Drew Brees. Even though Aaron Rodgers has a little more mobility, don't you feel I kind of do that? In our now, like the way that our parents would talk to us about the, the Unitases and the Namets and those great quarterbacks, and then we watch those other guys growing up football that in kind of a way that this is kind of an end of an era in terms of quarterback play. Yeah, yeah, could very well be because I think the, the age of the more athletic run quarterback, I mean, when I look at this past season, if I, t- I think Justin Herbert, while kind of mobile, just like uh, an Aaron Rodgers was, especially early in his career. Uh, I think that that player parallels a bit there, but, but that old standard drop back passer who, who doesn't really run all that much seems to be a thing, at least right now seems to be a thing of the past. And the direction is certainly the more athletic quarterback. And there's a look, that's not to say that there's a number of great ones, not in the league right now, because there are, uh, but it is the, the, the era that we are ending, uh, you know, Philip Rivers and Drew Brees leaving this year as well, um, certainly seems to be one that's closing the curtain on a, on a, on a re- really terrific chapter of tremendous quarterback play of the drop back of the drop back passer. Yeah, I just feel like I'm not by any way diminishing any of these players. You know, like Patrick Mahomes may end up retiring as the greatest quarterback ever. Maybe not in Super Bowl rings, but statistically and in a lot of people's minds, he he'll he'll be in that argument. And I'm not taking away anything from the, the Lamar Jacksons and the Russell Wilsons. They have their own style of play, but like just a drop back passer, like 
you know, it just feels like the league has kind of like moved on and they're like looking for a different type of quarterback. And, and college football understands that and it lends itself to that type of quarterback. So I don't know if it'll ever revert back to the old days, but I just feel kind of melancholy about some of the stuff that I feel like kind of like we're, we're seeing the last of a certain type of quarterback in, uh, in, in, in these quarterbacks that are, that are basically retiring these last couple of years and this year as well. Yeah. T- tough to see. Uh, but you know, like I said, you know, I, I feel fortunate to have grown up in this era watching these guys develop and, and, and get better as players. Uh, and it's certainly been just an incredible ride. And what, what Tom Brady has done is obviously nothing short of amazing in terms of winning seven championships over the course of his career. That's a really hard thing to pull off. And uh, he, he's done he's done what no other quarterback has been able to do. Yeah, there's no, there's, there's, there's no question about it. And uh, boy, oh boy, I mean – the way he's thrown the ball and you get that surrounding cast around him. I mean, he had said he's playing, you know, until he's 45 or past. And uh, I don't know who the heck would be dumb enough to doubt anything he says. No, <laughs> that's a hundred percent true. So, all right, well, good stuff, Wiz. We're going to wrap it up here. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. We've had a really fun time uh, talking with you folks all season long. Hopefully you found us informative, interesting, uh, funny, uh, self-deprecating, all of those things. We, we've definitely enjoyed the ride, uh, trying to educate, inform, uh, and have fun with, with something that we're pretty passionate about. But, you know, the story doesn't end here. Uh, I think both of us want to certainly continue this journey and the offseason. Uh, we'll come to you as, as Wiz suggested the other day. We'll have some special guests along the way, may cover some different sports, but but our objective is to come come to you a couple of times a week. Uh, most of the time it's going to be football, but we'll sprinkle some other stuff in. But we're excited to keep this going as we look forward to the 2021 season. And don't forget, your preparation starts now. <laughs> You got it. All right. Very good, everybody. So have a have a great have a great rest of the week. We'll we'll be back with you again with probably something later in the week. But uh, like I said, we'll be coming to you a couple of times a week, uh, trying to keep things going in the off season. So Wiz, enjoy your night uh, and and your day, and we'll speak later in the week. You got it. You have a good one.